Hello and welcome to today's edition of the Business Excellence Podcast. My name is Rail Bricker, coming to you from Perth, Western Australia. And with me, as usual, my co-host, Lindsay Adams from Brisbane, Australia. Hello and welcome. As a special gift to all our listeners, pop along to www.excellencepodcast.com. That's excellencepodcast.com and download your free 48-page ebook called Building Excellence, Ideas to Help You on Your Journey to Creating Excellence in Your Business and Your Life. So today we are sharing the airwaves with David Edney. Now, David Edney is an Australian who lives in Paris and has done for over 30 years, still kept his good Aussie accent. Uh, he's a business consultant, and he works in a really interesting market, does a lot of work with uh, telcos, cloud providers, and he works with them on uh, growth strategies. So, David, welcome, first of all. Thank you, Lindsay. Thank you, Rayo. Great to be with you both. Yeah. And, David, so what, what do you see are the key growth challenges that your clients are facing today? Well, they're varied, but the, the big one is not getting enough new business coming in the door. And this seems such an obvious problem, and that's a, an issue to do with the sales pipeline. And they always wonder, why is that change? Why is there less coming in the door? And I guess it, it makes us uh, think through the question, well, what made it come in the door in the old days? And often they don't have good answers for that. It was just there and we accepted it. So the first thing I think is to dig into that to understand further. And the answer is to start more sales conversations. If the sales pipeline's not big enough, we're not starting enough conversations. And of course, today, that's certainly different how we would have started a conversation pre-pandemic. It's all about online sales conversations, virtual sales conversations, virtual word of mouth. That's what it is. And the heading, the catch-all for that is demand generation campaigns. And a lot of service providers and a lot of small businesses and uh, um, enterprise, uh, sorry, entrepreneurial companies struggle with demand gen because it's something that more mature and more typically B2C customers are comfortable with. But it really is critical in B2B as well. And getting good at that is the key to maintaining a healthy revenue growth curve. Well, let me ask then, so, so you talk about the difference between B2B and B2C. In the B2C space, you know, there's a lot of work being done on, on lead generation through the social media platforms. You know, how, what's the comparative? Is our B2B businesses actually getting traction off the social media platforms? Great question. And there's a lot of debate about that, but I'll tell you what I see. And that is that the two emerging, I think there's less and less difference between B2B and B2C in cloud and in digital and in SaaS applications, because think of the price points. A SaaS application can be um, under $10 a month. I mean, that's two and a half cups of coffee. That's not big investment decisions. So the process we go through to decide and try and consume these services is very similar that we would go through in terms of a personal or B2C type of purchase. So I think the two are merging and um, a lot of 
the interest I see being created online uh, to start that conversation, the sales conversation, is with having really compelling content around an interest area that is a business problem. So, for example, if security and um, data security is a, a big issue and the concern of being hacked and being uh, vulnerable online is a big concern, then writing an article about what you've seen a problem with the customers are having and how you've helped someone to resolve it is going to be extremely attractive content information to a decision maker, a consumer in a corporate setting. And I think that's the way the two move, move together. And so you're saying publishing articles. So, you know, is that on social? Is that on blogs? I mean, I'm a regular contributor to Thrive Global and mm -hmm. on a variety of articles. And, and I like their SEO because those articles, if you Google my name, those articles come up fairly regularly. So, so when you're saying writing articles that sort of outline your solution without selling it, where are people putting those out? I think the answer is everywhere. In the old days, think about if we had a shop in the old days, we wanted to have our shop on the busiest street in town because we got the most traffic. In the digital space, that's very hard to find an analogy to. So we have to put our content where our target audience hangs out online. Now, that could be Facebook, that could be Twitter, that could be LinkedIn, that could be Instagram, whatever. It could be our corporate website, it could be blog sites, it could be somewhere that's uh, Googleable. We have to put our content where they are. So it's it's making sure our message gets to where they hang out online. In other words, making sure our shop is on the street that they're going down. So I think it's an answer is all-inclusive. I don't think we can be... Um, decisionary on we'll only put it on instagram but we won't put it on um, pinterest or whatever we've got to put it everywhere and to your point Ariel, once you've created that content it's available for eternity it's out there ever forever so people may find it in five weeks time in five months time in five years time and it can have the same impact depending on where they are in their decision journey so david you talked about uh you know there's not enough new business and everything's online now i mean you know, I guess it differs around the world. Uh, in Australia now, things have opened up a lot more. We're getting more back, you know, back to more face-to-face -face stuff. But across Europe, North America, Africa, it's still, you know, really locked down. Uh, so how do we start these sales conversations? If we've got to do everything online, like how, how do we get out in front of people and let them know that we exist uh, so that we can get this business? Yeah, so here's the big change in the mindset we need to have to, to do this, I think. In the old days when our action would um, engage with a customer, when I grew up in sales, they said, a prospect looks like this, and they showed you a picture of the outline of an elephant, and they said, here's your rifle. Your job is to go and shoot or bag as many elephants as you can, right? That was it. So prospecting, demand gen was a, a responsibility of the person in the organisation. In today's world, that doesn't work. That model doesn't work. We, we First of all, the deals we're going to be coming across aren't fully grown into elephants yet. They're not big enough to identify. They're not big enough to justify targeting. They almost can't be targeted. We have to reverse the dynamic and say, what can we do that will help a emerging um, person who's got an interest in what we do follow us, try, buy and consume our services and get them to come towards us? Reverse the dynamic. And uh, in cloud, this is particularly true in, in um, cloud services and infrastructure, the projects they start with are very small. 
and you couldn't have a large direct sales force, you know, waiting for these deals to, to appear and then go for them because they're too small to justify any of that approach. So you have to find a way to get them onto your platform. And then as they're successful, those projects grow and grow and grow and grow. So it's a very different, it's a land and grow model as opposed to a bag and, uh, and uh, capture model. Okay, so this is like creating a magnet, for example, to draw people. Exactly. That's exactly the mindset and the language. We have to create a magnet to draw them towards us. And so think about what those magnets would be. And in the B2B space, they've all got a business challenge or a business outcome that they want to have or a business um, problem they want to avoid, and they're driven by that. So if we create content around the problem, then they will be immediately attracted to that because that's exactly where they live. Once they're reading about the problem and learning about the problem, then progressively in our content, we talk about what we do. And then they think, well, if they know that much about the problem, they must know that much about the solution. And that's the linkage we want to happen. And that's where we make the sale, if you like, which is a bad expression because it's really just where we start to have influence on their decision process is more correct. And so I always like to tell people, sell the problem, not the solution. And if we try and sell the solution online, no one will read it because it looks like just uh, advertising in your face. So we've got to talk about the problem, talk about where they are in their frame of mind, in their reference, be relevant and meaningful to them and educate them more about the problem and they will love you and follow you. And then you've got a potentially uh, developing customer or Purchase. Does this mean then that our lead times between first contact and eventual sale are going to be much longer? Yes, because, see, that logic is our logic about what we do to them. We've identified them, we've qualified them, we've made a proposal. That's our timeline. If we throw that away and think about their buying timeline, what does that look like? And we try and align with that. And that's very hard to call. Uh, that's why we have to do a lot of content creation first to, to get that initial connection with them. Then they not, may not be ready for two years. They may not be ready for three years. But when they are ready, who are they going to think of first? you because you're the people who educated them and gave them insights and shared your knowledge with them. So it's a very different, it's a long game, a longer game, and it's not a transactional game. When we're back to elephant hunting with a rifle, that's totally transactional. Here, we're actually, it's like farming. We're, we're planting seeds of knowledge, of insights, which is about us and our credibility in that space by selling the problem. And then as they move down their decision cycle or purchase cycle or buying cycle, then they become progressively involved with us. And then it goes at the end to the traditional sales cycle. Okay, but but there's lots written and I've seen some some work that you've done around the the need to accelerate the sales cycle so so how do we how do we link these two together that the sales cycle has gone longer but we need to accelerate the process yeah um we want to do both of course we want to be able to accelerate their decision cycle and that we can have some influence on especially if the problem is um latent in their thinking, if they're not totally aware of the problem, then back to the idea of sell the problem, not the solution. If we can help them to monetize the problem and the risk of not resolving the problem faster, sell the fear, sell the unknown, sell the cost of not resolving the problem, then that will accelerate their decision process to, to acquire a solution. Okay. Because the, the, this in the SAS, in the SAS world, 
SaaS almost proved itself during COVID. You know, in other words, the ability for businesses to almost switch overnight from working in, in an office environment to working from home and those that were fully cloud-based just, just laughed all the way, except for other infra infrastructural problems of employees not having enough bandwidth and other such things, but the ability was there. You know, did that? What what has been the impact on 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 you in Europe and working with all these cloud providers and SaaS providers? What what's been the impact of the last eighteen months on them? Well, it's accelerated digital adoption at the highest level. It's accelerated cloud adoption and SaaS adoption. It's accelerated everything by necessity. So those companies who were early on that curve could ride the wave. Uh, on the supply side and for the consumer side, for enterprises consuming SaaS services, it was a, a challenge to scramble to keep up to date, to get their staff aligned, to get their staff comfortable, to change their internal practices, uh, change their rules to allow people to work from home. So it was more of a, a culture shift and um, helping go to a remote work style and uh, um, remotely located work model. Uh, that, that was a big shift for a number of organizations. But in terms of adoption, I read somewhere where Forrester or one of the big uh, uh, analyst organizations said that the track that everyone is on a digital transformation journey, it was accelerated by up to as much as five years for some organizations by necessity. So mm -hmm. it's a great example of those who are prepared um, can act quickly. And we often say, oh, they were lucky because they were already in the cloud and they were lucky because they had SaaS. Well, yes, but they were prepared. And then when things changed, they were able to capitalise on those early leads they had. I'm guessing this has impacted productivity along the way as well. Yes. Now, here's an interesting anecdotal story. i got a, a pal who's very senior in Microsoft these days uh, in Seattle. And uh, many, many years ago, I was his boss, and now he's probably my boss three times over. <laughs> and um, he uh, was telling me in the early days of uh, the first lockdown that the company saw an increase in productivity of 30%. 30? 30%. 30 in productivity increase. So I'm thinking, okay, well, why is that? How could that be? And so part of it is we're not commuting. So a lot of us are using that extra time to sit in front of our screens and do work. So part of it is we're giving more hours in the day or yeah. we're using those hours differently. I think that generates productivity. But the bigger one was well, two. One of the other ones I think is important is there's less distractions. When we're in the office, you know, there's the famous coffee uh, coffee uh, conversations, the water cooler conversations, the corridor conversations, all those things. So there's a certain loss of productivity because of that, which we don't have when we're working at home. But the last one, I think, is the big one. When we're not visible, we're only judged by one thing, and that is what we deliver. So our deliverables become much higher in everybody's vision and therefore we feel the pressure that if we don't do what we said or we don't do it as fast or better, then we're invisible. Whereas in the old days, we were visible because we were physically there, whether we were having a conversation in front of the coffee machine or not, we were there, we were visible. So I think they're the drivers that I see. So 30%. Now think about that. that first of all, which company wouldn't kill to have a productivity increase of 30%? Everybody. Yeah, like, yeah, everybody. On, everybody. So that's only half the equation. Now think about the spend on office space and facilities and facilities management 
that you don't need anymore because the population is working at home remotely. And so you go back to that office space. Yes, that's it. So if you think, and we'd be very, very conservative, they could halve their office space spend. Yeah. It'd, it'd probably you'd go much lower than that because they're going to have meetings once a week or something. So it's maybe 20% you'd need. So yeah. let's just say 50. So which company is going to happily go back to the old world and get a 30% decrease in productivity and a 50% increase in uh, operational costs for real estate and office space and facilities management? None that I know. So I think we are going to stay where we are by choice. Well, like, talk, what about the impact on staff, though, David? I mean, if people are, you know, is there going to be more burnout? Like, uh, I'm wondering how many people are just going to frizzle up and die at home and nobody will notice. <laughs> Bad example, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah look, it's, it's going to be different for different people. Some people are going to struggle more than others. The, the thing is, though, and look what we're doing right now, we are all having a virtual conversation and it's just as real as we're all in the same room, but we're not. We've got to take the time and effort to get comfortable with the platform, such as Teams or Zoom or whatever we're using, and then set up and block the time to have that productive conversation together. So it's just a change in the way we do our daily activities to, to create a similar a physical experience that we would have had in our normal work lives. But going back to your point, Lindsay, which is a good one, yes, some people are going to struggle with this. They're going to feel that if they don't have physical proximity to people, then they don't have social contact. Um, true, true, true. So it's back to adapting. Some are going to adapt better than others. Always been true in the history of the world. And and professional service firms, I know you work mostly with a cloud base, but mm. they intrigue me because they set a target that is unlike some, say, a Microsoft or a, a, server, a software provider where you just do what you do and then it's time to pack up and have a beer, whereas they work on a billable hours, right, as opposed to a cost base, it's a, it's a revenue generation. Um, you know, what I'm starting to hear around the professional service traps is that putting seven and a half hours or seven and a quarter hours on each person working from home is becoming much more challenging because in the lean times, they're actually just billing for the sake of billing. Yeah. I can well imagine that's true. Um, it's a tricky model because it's a, <clears throat> a scalable model based on human hours available. And I think that's in the process of changing and uh, we're going to see more and more engagements that are profit share or results-based um, sharing on the deliverable or the impact of the deliverable. I think there's going to be modifications there. Um, but you're right. How do you keep a consultant engaged uh, 100% of his uh, eight-hour day when he's at home? It's um, it's a lot more tricky. Totally agree. Okay. So so then in the in in the going back to this acceleration. Are we actually seeing, and, and the best, I guess, is the coronavirus vaccines, you know, how quickly those came to market as a model for taking what's normally a seven to 10 year cycle into seven to 10 months. How, how is that psyche affecting companies across the board that they almost feel they have to come out with what potentially could be a half-baked solution, but they have to come out with a solution? 
Yeah, that's a, an interesting one to think through. Um, everyone's very pleased with themselves in terms of they were able to deliver those results in such a short period of time and what a game changer has been. And normally it's 10 years and now we've done it in 18 months and so on. So you ask yourself, well, maybe the processes and the timelines we're using in the old world are no longer relevant and they've just sort of recalibrated um, them to what's relevant today. That's one explanation. And the others is the other extreme could be, well, they've just rushed it and we've got a product or a solution which is, you know, only 90% sure instead of 99 and uh, that last uh, 9% takes uh, the remaining nine years to be able to test and validate and so on. So it's a really hard question to answer, but it does um, help us think about throwing the old rule book or playbook away and starting again and saying, well, if we were starting from a blank sheet of paper with the technology and the um, methodologies available today and cloud computing and artificial intelligence and all these things, what would that development process look like in the new world? And I think we're seeing some of that, but of course, it's a bit of a bumpy ride at the moment with um, what's happening with um, some of the vaccines being taken off the market. If we use the pure cloud analogy, what we'd wish for, and of course, this is um, a bit of a gap to um, resolve in a practical way, how do we get VAS, which would be vaccinations as a service as opposed to SaaS software as a service? That's what we want, vaccinations as a service. You just digitally download it and plug it in your arm and everyone's done and it all comes from the cloud and life is good and everyone in the cloud space is very pleased with themselves. But I guess that's not too far away. Well, I think you, can you say that's interesting, Mike. Sorry, my father-in-law is a prof was a professor of veterinary medicine, and he ah. keeps and he's in his eighties. So, but he keeps uh, using the analogy that coronavirus is essentially like SARS, which is essentially bird flu. And in the chicken world, because he used to live on a chicken farm, my wife grew up on the farm as well. But they used to spray the chickens with vaccine, and it went in through their uh, tear ducts and it, it actually entered the eyes through the tear duct and it was as efficient as injecting in the arm and so for a couple of months now he's been telling us we just need to hover over the cities and just spray everybody which <laughs> i can see being all sorts of problems i like the idea um i like the idea it's very appealing um, then you could distribute uh, like an aerosol of a vaccine and people could self-spray um, yeah. uh, at home. Or you could do a spray and then run forward into it and to, to get it into your tear ducts. Yeah. I think that's an excellent idea. You'd have to take your glasses off first. Yes, these are um, COVID um, windscreens. COVID so. They're going back to the, the barriers for growth. Um, the first and the big one we've been talking about is not enough new business coming in the door. And that's all about uh, starting more sales conversations, demand generation campaigns, and uh, the, the demand magnets. I like that expression even more because it's so visual. And, and the key to that is content creation. And this is a big challenge for a lot of mid-sized companies to, to have the discipline to create content and to block a period of time to think about, well, what would the subject be and how would I create it and how is it good enough written or is it a video or what is it and what uh, medium and then pumping it out there. And that's, that's probably one of the big shifts for a lot of people to realise that the importance of that. And what I believe is that the key to growth in the old days used to be sales. But in the new world, it's actually marketing because marketing 
creates that content and runs a demand generation campaign. So I tell people marketing today becomes sales tomorrow. Yeah. I and like that makes a lot of friends for me, I can tell you, I don't think. <laughs> I think um, no, that, that makes really good sense. Um, David, we, we are almost out of time. Uh, if our listeners wanted to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? So uh, find my website, which is www.saleschannelcloud, all is one word, saleschannelcloud.com, and uh, you can uh, connect with me there. Or um, my mobile number is uh, in France, so that's plus three three six seven six six hundred nine two five plus three three for France, six seven six six hundred nine two five. Brilliant. And could you add the bank account and PIN number to the end of that? Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Which ones? The ones in Panama? <laughs> Thank you, David. It's been an entertaining uh, conversation. We've, we've covered you, a lot of areas, you know, and, and it's interesting how our conversations on the podcast, a lot of them are focused around the new world, and we don't even know what this new world is going to look like yet. So, Thank you very much uh, for giving us, you know, some of your morning in France. And thank you to my co-host, Lindsay Adams. This is Rail Bricker signing off for another edition of the Business Excellence Podcast. And just a reminder for those listening to the podcast, pop along to excellencepodcast.com, www.excellencepodcast.com. And there are a number of free resources for you to download to help you on your journey to business excellence.